Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, we've got all sorts of money questions on deck. Should you tax gain harvest? Should active or passive investments go in your retirement accounts? If you're on the younger side, why would you want to own any bonds? Are Vanguard Roth accounts somehow better or worse than anyone else's? And what's the break-even on taking Social Security early versus late? See, we do talk about things other than Roth conversions. That's not to say that we won't discuss Roth conversions because we do have a bunch of questions on them too. As a matter of fact, we'll start with them. Send your money questions in, Roth-related or not. Click Ask Joe and Big Al on air in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth. And don't call them the Roth brothers, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Evan from uh, Los Angeles, he write, what, what, oh, he's uh, he's got a little voice uh, recording. Let's hear what he's got to say, Al. Hi, I watch your show on YouTube, and my name is Evan, and I wanted to ask a question about converting. I have uh, 251000 in a Roth, and I have 150000 in an IRA that um, I'm now 56. So... I was wondering if I should convert that all at once, or should I just, I, I make under 40 grand a year, so I'm 12% tax bracket, so I was wondering if I should do it little by little, or uh, just bite the bullet and do it all at once. Uh, thank you so much. Bye now. Um, all right, good question. So we get this quite a bit. Where he could be confused because he's already done a good job, Al, of about two hundred fifty some thousand dollars in a Roth, one hundred fifty thousand dollars in an IRA. He's fifty six, just wants to convert it all. Yeah, get it all out. He's in the twelve percent tax bracket, so sometimes people think, all right, well, if I'm in the twelve percent tax bracket, I'm going to convert one hundred fifty thousand dollars and pay twelve percent. Right. It doesn't necessarily work. I wish it would, but if he's making forty, he doesn't have that much room in the twelve percent tax bracket. Yeah. Well, it depends. Uh, does it? Single it's 40 grand a year. I don't know. He's single, single or married. We're not sure. So that changes it a bit, but let's just, let's just say he makes under 40 grand a year. If he's single, there's a standard deduction of about 13,000, right? So under 40, we'll call it 39. <laughs> so 39 minus 13. So that's about 26. We'll call it 25,000, right? So he's got about 15,000 of room in the 12% bracket to convert which that's probably the right answer because if he's only got 150,000 in an IRA and assuming he doesn't have a pension, he's going to be in a low bracket for life anyway. Right. I would not convert it all, Evan, um, because you, you convert $150,000, that, that pops him up in the 24. Right. On the other hand, let's just say he's married and if his, his spouse doesn't make any income, then they've got, it's about $25,000 deduction. So he's got probably about, 65, 70,000, he could convert to stay in that 12% bracket. Yeah. And let's say, I don't know, let's say his money doubles three, four, four times. I mean, his RMD is not going to be that big. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Right. Too. If he's right. not adding anything to this thing, um, because most of the money's in a Roth anyway. So let's say that doubles. So now he's got 300,000 by the time he has to take a required distribution. Well, yeah. What's that going to be 12 grand? That's still yeah. going to be taxed at a pretty low rate. That is true. Yeah. Although it may be 15%. Right. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, so, if you're you know, in the 12, I would take advantage yeah, of it. That, but I don't know if I would go higher than the 12. So I just, definitely would not based upon what we know. Now, if he had a, 
I don't know, a, a portfolio outside of retirement of $5 million that's going to generate a lot of income, we might have a little different answer. But we're assuming there's not a lot of other assets. Right. Or if he's got a pension coming at age 65. Exactly. Right. Is your Social Security income going to look right. like? So those are some factors that you want and, to take a look at. In some ways, um, although we don't normally recommend you convert everything, but in some ways, if you've got some other income, like a small pension, you might want to convert it if you can do it in a low bracket because then less of your Social Security is going to be taxable. So it's always looking at what's your tax bracket today? What's your tax bracket going to be in retirement? And where do you feel tax rates are going to go? Um, I feel 12%. If you're in those lower brackets, it's, it's going to make sense to convert because that's a pretty cheap tax. And you take a look at, you know, everything else that's going on. I, I, I don't think tax rates are going to stay this low. So, yeah, I, but I wouldn't go any higher than that without more diligence. Right. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks for the phone call, Evan. Uh, got Jim writes in from Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota and drive a gray Volvo. Yeah. S60. S, that's a nice Volvo. Yeah. It's gray, too. Jim probably <laughs> sharp in that car. I bet she dresses well. He, well, he's from he's driving in that you know, in that Volvo. Volvo. It's very yeah. safe. Yeah, right. You know? He's listening to financial podcasts driving a car. He could <laughs> ram into anything. He's, he's got he's got a nice sport coat on, probably. Probably. Uh, this has become my favorite podcast because you are a very strong team. Oh, thanks, Jim. Uh, Joe adds the financial planner expertise. Uh, that's kind of a stretch. Uh, <laughs> lots of energy. Um, and some sheer fun. L not only makes tax topics tolerable, but is superb at breaking complex problems down to the understandable. Practical next steps. Very good. Yeah, well, Andy you, is Jim. marvelous. Organizer adds more fun, uh, more fun energy. So you have fun energy too, Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just the resource. Book. Yes. Yeah, you're just a straight <laughs> man. It has taken the show to the next level. Or a new level. All right. I listened to some uh, 2016 podcast, and while the content was very good, Andy adds a lot. Oh, look at Jim just kissing in Andy's ass. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep her happy. All right. Yes. Did course, Andy? D- Andy, did you add that sentence yourself? Yeah, she had to. Yeah, yeah that that, that would to really prior be to, to to my birth of your money or wealth because it sucked. Uh, I like to confirm or deny my. Uh, what's this? Uh, I like to confirm or deny my, my belief, belief. I think that's what he meant. Uh, that we can take 403B dollars without penalty prior to age 59 and a half in employment is terminated. If employment is terminated. Yes, I'm 58. My wife is 57. Uh, the money we'd ultimately like to move into my wa- wife's Roth IRA would be coming from her 403B as she's a teacher who plans to teach until 2021. It will be 58. When she terminates employment with the school district, we'd like to convert fifty to sixty thousand dollars of our four hundred three B annually over the next four years, while we still have historic low tax brackets. We're in the twenty two percent tax bracket with plenty of room to convert. She won't be fifty nine and a half until twenty twenty three. When I know we can get it out, ten uh, percent penalty free. We've been good savers, so likely end up with extra money after retirement to pass to the heirs, and we'd like to uh, get the money to the Roths. Since we live in Minnesota, uh, they still have a state tax, so we are working to better balance out how much money is in my wife's and my name. Uh, The Roth is the last dollars we'd spend if needed. If retirement so 
I'm going to run out of time here, aren't I? Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, let's see. The, the last money we'd spend, if needed, in retirement, so is most likely to grow and potentially create an estate issue depending on longevity. Uh, in addition, two, can I move it penalty-free? You can tell he's from Minnesota. Can, he writes like <laughs> – He talks like you. <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> Jeez. He's, uh, I'd also like to know if I can roll it directly to her Roth IRA or if I need to make a first stop at a traditional IRA. Is there any other strategies or complications I'm missing? Thanks for the great show. Okay, so Jim, thank you very much for the nice compliments. Uh, and Minnesota brother, a few things. When you take money out of a 403B into a Roth IRA, it's not a distribution. It doesn't matter how old you are. There is no 10% penalty. The only issue with 403B dollars is that if you're currently employed as an active participant in the 403B, if you're under 59 and a half, you would have to do an in-service withdrawal. She's a teacher, so maybe she has multiple 403Bs, then you could potentially do it. They changed the law with 403B plans because of the teacher issue, that you would get these people that would go into the lunchroom, and then they would say, hey, this is your retirement plan, and then they would sell them a bunch of annuities. So you would run into teachers that had like 15 different TSAs or 403Bs with you know a few hundred dollars or a few thousand or 10,000 or whatever. So they trying to make it more difficult for you to take money out of a 403B prior to separation from service. If you do move it into a Roth IRA, you're more than eligible to do that without a 10% penalty because the IRS does not see that as a, a distribution. They, they look at it as a rollover. You cannot put your money into your wife's Roth. I think there was some kind of question in regards to that. So if you have 403B dollars or 401K dollars, Jim, you have to put your dollars into your Roth IRA. She has to put her money into her Roth IRA. I understand you're trying to balance out your overall balance sheet in regards to how much assets you have versus she, um, but you cannot fund someone else's Roth IRA with your retirement dollars. You could fund a, a standard Roth IRA as a contribution, uh, but you would not be able to convert your monies into hers or convert her monies into yours. So, um, I think that answers it. I think so. And just one other quick thing. If, if for some reason you do need the money and you, you're separated from service after age 55, then you can take the money out penalty free. That's not widely known. 401ks and 403bs, as long as you separate from service when you're 55 or older, you can take the money out, pay tax on it, even uh, under age 59 and a half, as long as you're age 55. Uh, got Helen. She writes in from San Diego. Hi, Joe, Big Al, and Andy. This is Helen from San Diego. I'm under 59 and too old to be Joe's girlfriend. Wow. So as, under 59. So you must have met, oh, you mentioned in podcast 273. 273. You, you wanted, wanted a 23-year-old to be my girlfriend. Uh, I don't remember that. Wow. <laughs> actually, I think you actually said that your girlfriend is 23. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Joe always looks handsome. Well, thank you, Helen. Al, you look great for how old you are. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what you said. Al look great now than in Sunday TV broadcast, maybe old broadcast. Andy, I like your voice, very warm. And your short haircut looks sexy. After pandemic, think of cutting uh, short hair again. Oh, so Helen. Andy's not in the Sunday show. You should show up one day. Yeah, I'm just going to barge in and start talking. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's a good plan. All right. 
Uh, thank you for the show. Talking about retirement. Uh, okay. She loves listening to our broadcast. Yes. She's a big fan of YMYW. I'm having Vanguard from work. So she's having Vanguard. Is that for lunch? <laughs> well, let's see what that might mean. Read on. I contribute money to a Roth IRA. I called Vanguard. They told me their Roth IRA is limited to $6,000 per year. It's not limited. I'm f- is not limited. Thank you, Al. Yeah. I'm 55 years old. Can you contribute as much as you want up to 75% of your pay? Okay. My question, what's the difference of a Vanguard Roth IRA and a regular Roth IRA limited to $6,000 per year contribution? Thank you. Hope you all stay safe and be well. Um, I have no idea where you're, who you talk to, Helen. Well, here, here's what I think. I think she's talking about a Roth 401k versus a Roth IRA. Because she, because she talks about 75% of her pay. So I think the Vanguard is probably a 401k plan, I'm guessing, at her employer. And that is true. A Roth 401k, you can put, when you're over 50, you can put it in $26,000. It's not unlimited, but you can put in $26,000. Whereas a regular IRA, when you... Well, you could even put more now. Well, if you, if it's a after, if you get after tax. Or no, you could do the profit sharing. That's still all under the umbrella of a 401k. Yeah, well, I, I'm assuming because she's talking about from work that she's not the employer. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm thinking I'm thinking that's what she's talking about. And and this sort of brings, if, if I'm right, this sort of brings up a good point anyway, and that is people get confused about Roth IRA versus a Roth 401k. They're two different things. And you're actually allowed to do both. You don't, you don't just have to do, depending upon if you, if you have an employer that has a Roth 401k. And so if you do, typically it's $19,500 you can put in. Um, if you are over 50, it's $26,000. And the employer, you're right, may put in a match as well. So you may get even extra. Whereas a Roth contribution, um, it's, uh, I think it's 6,000 this year, 7,000 if you're over 50. I think, that's, I think those are the numbers. Anyway, if you have a Roth 401k, you can also do a Roth IRA in addition to that. So um, a lot of people don't realize you can do both as long as your income is, is low enough uh, that you qualify for that. So I think that's maybe that's what she's getting at. Yeah, the Roth at work, I would yeah. imagine is the 401k, I think which so. has you know, yeah. different contribution limits than, um, than a, just a standard Roth yeah. IRA. So hopefully that clears things up, Helen. Appreciate you writing in, and we'll definitely get Andy on the TV show. Johnny from New Jersey writes in, Hello, everyone. Because of a severance package this year, I have the opportunity next year to either do a tax gain harvest or a 401k to Roth IRA conversion. This opportunity is provided because I won't be tapping into my 401k for income. Can you help determine which would be better? Can you recommend an amount for either? Well, Johnny, first of all, we don't make recommendations. We have conversations. We don't give advice. We chat about stuff. Right. That's uh, compliance, CYA. I was thinking only up to the 12% income tax bracket. This would mean my zero cap gains tax if I do the tax gain harvest. Okay, my pre-tax 401k is approximately a million dollars. My Roth is 600,000. Cash equivalents about a million bucks and 58 withdrawal will be three or 4% a year. Thanks. I forgot to mention, I have approximately $300,000 in stock funds. Um, but what he forgot to mention 
is that what is the basis of that and what's the gain? Yeah, and how is it invested and does he need a rebalance? So, all right, so let's, let's just talk broad strokes here. Okay. Tax gain harvesting. So if you're in the 10 or 12% tax bracket, you can sell stocks or bonds or mutual funds or real estate or whatever and have a 0% tax up to that 12% tax bracket. So he wants to gain harvest. So he's got some gains in his account so he can sell up to that 12% tax bracket and not pay a diamond tax. Yeah, so quick example. So the top of the 12% bracket is $40,000 roughly if you're single. Uh, a little bit less, but let's, let's call it 40. And, and by the time you look at your income and subtract out your standard deduction or itemized deductions, let's just say that's 10,000, just to make up a number. So now you look at, okay, 40,000 is the top of the bracket, 10,000 is where I'm at. I can sell $30,000 worth of gain and pay zero federal tax. You will potentially have to pay state tax. So keep that in mind. But anyway, there's no federal tax in that situation. Uh, if you go over, let's say you by mistake, you sell 40,000 and you should have only sold 30,000. The first 30,000 to gain is tax-free. The next $10,000 extra, that'll be taxed at 15%. So that's how that works. So you can't sell all of your gains and pay no tax. It's only to get to the top of that 12% bracket. Okay. Um, so that's tax gain harvesting. And then he's thinking, okay, I can do that and get some tax-free income or reinvest or whatever, because tax gain harvesting actually means you're selling that stock and kind of buying it back, uh, and then you're just increasing your basis. Right. With so tax gain yeah. harvesting, you can buy the stock back the same day. Tax loss harvesting, there's a wash sale rule. Yeah, and the advantage there, of course, is then if you need the funds later, you could actually sell the the stock and your tax basis would be a lot higher. You'd have a small gain and you probably wouldn't pay hardly any tax. Right, if you're really bullish on the stock. Yeah, right. Right, you got Amazon, you know, it's already had a big run and you think it's going to continue to scream. So you sell it, you don't pay any tax up to that tax bracket, you buy it right back. And then so now you have a higher tax basis. Right. Um, so if you do sell it in the future, that's going to um, help some of the taxes uh, potentially. Okay, so that's that's one strategy. The second is a Roth conversion. Uh, so Roth conversion, he's 58. He's got a million bucks sitting in retirement accounts, 401k pre-tax. Uh, so he's taking 12% tax bracket. He's got another $600,000 in uh, Roth accounts and $300,000 in stock funds and a million dollars sitting in cash. I would look at higher than the 12% tax bracket, uh, Johnny, if he's single because he's got plenty of capital and cash uh, to live off of. And he's not necessarily, he's sick. Let's say he's 58. He's got what, 14 years until the required distribution. So that could double twice on him. That's 3 million bucks in a retirement account. Yeah. That's $120,000 required distribution if he's single. I mean, he's going to be a lot higher than the 12% tax bracket. So maybe you might want to look at a higher bracket in regards to conversion if that's the route you wanted to go. Yeah, and but you don't want to do both because if you do both, then all of a sudden your 0% zero percent capital gains are taxed at 15 and you're paying the tax on the Roth conversion. It actually comes out to be a pretty high tax rate. Yeah, because you're using up that 0% cap gains rate with the conversion dollar. Right. And so... Yeah, yeah. just be careful of that. I, I think I might say um, it depends how the 300000 in stock funds are invested. If you feel like 
you're taking too much risk or you want to rebalance or, or maybe it's not the right allocation for you. I, I might favor that first and get that done. And then at 58, you've got a lot of years to go ahead and get a lot of the rest of it converted. Yeah. But he's got a million in cash. I want to, if they're stock funds, I mean, I don't know. So yeah, it could go either way. Yeah, you could. I mean, if if he did if he did no Roth conversions, by the time he had to take RMDs, his four hundred one k is going to be over two million dollars. Could be probably three. It's yeah, it could be. Twice. Could be. Yeah, one hundred twenty thousand dollars of distribution. He's going to be hiring twelve. Yeah, right. I don't know if he's single. Yeah, yeah, which we don't know. All right, Johnny. Hopefully that helps. Thanks a lot for the question. At long last, you can check out brand new episodes of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. And you still have a few more days to download our special offer. Both are available in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. That special offer, by the way, is the new ebook, Retirement Revamp, Financial Planning in Times of Crisis, written by our own Pure Financial Advisors, EVP and the Director of Research, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA. Brian's book explains how recent IRS changes can cut your tax bill, how the stock market sell-off can set you up for a tax-free future, and how to position your portfolio for an eventual recovery. Retirement Revamp will only be available for a limited time, so click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app and download it for free. And if you have money questions, click the Ask Joe and Big Al banner also in the podcast show notes and send us an email. Like Ram did in Los Angeles. You think it's because he likes the Los Angeles Rams? (laughs) Or do you think his name is Ram? Uh, it's a good question. He, he spells it with only one M, though. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. isn't the well? Maybe that's right. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> that with John Rom. Yeah, that, I think that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's no two M's there either. But I Al spe- spells Ram. I, I like M-M. I like to have two M's. I, I like my M's. <laughs> Ram. Ram. Uh, never mind that comment. All right. Um, so Ram, I could say something, but I'm, I'm just going to hold on to that. I'm just going to put that right back in my pocket. <laughs> um, can I take an early withdrawal without penalty under CARES Act of $100,000 from an IRA and A, use it for three years and then deposit into any IRA, including Roth IRA, with no tax? Or is it true then I can transfer $100,000 directly from IRA to Roth IRA in the same year and it'll be treated as a rollover. Note that CARES Act just says it should be deposited within three years in any eligible IRA. Is every Roth an eligible IRA? All right, so good question, Rand. What he's asking is he wants to take a CRD, coronavirus-related distribution, so again, you can take $100,000 from your retirement account. And he's saying, can I use that money for three years, spend it, do whatever I need to do, and then deposit it back into my retirement account in three years with no penalties, taxes, or fees? Uh, the answer is yes. But then he goes, including Roth IRA. Um, so you take the money out. You do whatever you want with it, and then after three years, you put it into a qualifying eligible retirement account. It does not say a Roth IRA is ineligible, um, but we don't feel that the, the conversion is in the spirit of the law. So just be careful that if you do put it into a Roth IRA, you will be taxed, of course, because it's a conversion. So you take the money out of a retirement account, let's say a 401k, and you spend it, you put it back into an IRA, 
there is no taxes. But if you do put it into a Roth, there will be taxes. And they could say, you know what, um, you should have owed taxes three years ago. Because if you wait three years to pay it back and you pay it back into the Roth IRA, you miss paying the tax over three years, right? And then you're going to be taxed on the full $100,000 anyway, but you're just going to pay the tax in three years. Right. And you have to pay the tax either either all in the first year or over three years. So you have all kinds of interest, interest and penalties. And I think the, the main comment here is that you, it's a true statement. If you qualify for a Corona-related distribution, $100,000 from an IRA, you can take it out now. You can spend it. As long as you put money back into your IRA in three years, there's no tax consequence. If you put money into the Roth three years from now, which I'm not sure you can, but let's just say even you can, then it would certainly be taxable. I, I don't even think you could do that because it's no longer a conversion because you had the money. It's like a giant Roth contribution at that point. Well, you're putting the money back into an eligible IRA over a three-year time period. If he did, let's say if he, I mean, just if you, if you walk it through, you take $100,000 and what's going to happen if you, is that you pay the tax over a three-year time period, right? But let's say that you don't want to pay the tax. You want to pay it back. Right. Well, each year, they're still going to show a third of the income on your tax return. And then next year, a third of the income. So you're paying that tax. And then the third year, when you put it back into an IRA, you're going to get refunded those tax dollars. Yeah, you have to file an amended return to do that. That's if you put it back in a regular IRA. Right. And then, so let's say if he doesn't, he just says, all right, well, I've already paid the tax over the three years. I put it into a Roth. I don't know. It's an eligible IRA. He could. He already paid the tax on it. I don't see why he would. He would. It would be stupid to do that. Well, it's just we don't have a lot of guidance on this, right? So it's contrary to the spirit of the law to to do that. What I'm suggesting is, even if you can do it, I'm not sure that you know. Maybe in that first year, <laughs> they would they could potentially allow you. But if you hold it for three years and then put it back into a Roth, that that doesn't seem like a conversion anymore. It seems like a contribution. But I I mean I could be wrong about that. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense to do it anyway, even if it's eligible. Why wouldn't you just get the money into the Roth IRA right away? Yeah. You know, the if, compounding if, growth. If that and was your the tax over that, three years. Right, if that was your idea, if that's what you wanted to do. Correct. Right. But I think what Ram is thinking is that he can avoid the taxation if he pays it back into an eligible IRA, including a Roth IRA. And that's not true. That is not true. So anytime you put money into a Roth IRA, you will pay the tax. One of the workarounds that people are talking about is taking a coronavirus-related distribution out of their retirement accounts and then putting that into a Roth and then paying the tax on the conversion over a three-year time period. So instead of saying, hey, take the money out over $100,000 and then three years convert it, I mean, that, that, that's backwards. Yeah, yeah you, so, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to do that I mean, anyway. He would need another M on his name. <laughs> <laughs> He'd need three M's. For that, to, for that to make sense. So. <laughs> All right. Um, All right, moving on, Jim. Okay. Chris from Vista, California. Hello, Joe, Big Al, and Andy. Estate planning question background. All right, so a little estate planning. Estate planning attorney recommends not putting IRAs into a trust and just assign beneficiaries you want the IRA to go to at the death of the trustors. If I assign my adult children, currently in the 30s, as beneficiaries in equal shares of my Roth IRAs, I think under the SECURE Act, you have to take the money out in 10 years. 
Now I would hope they would wait until the 10th year to take out the total sum to accumulate tax-free compound earnings. Question. If they are under 59 and a half, when the total sum is taken out, do they have to put it into another Roth IRA or can they spendthrift it away as tax-free money? Also, why is it not recommended to put a Roth IRA into a trust? An avid podcast listener, thank you. Uh, okay, cool. So a couple, couple things here. Yeah, this is a question that you like to answer, so I'll let you do it. Well, okay, well, the SECURE Act kind of screwed everything up because the, the stretch IRA is no longer, right? And so what a stretch IRA allowed a non-spouse beneficiary to do would to stretch the tax out over their life expectancy. So let's say a 30-year-old, you know, inherited a large retirement account. Uh, they could stretch the tax out over 40-some-odd years, right? So very small distributions. The money would stay into a retirement account. Um, it would still compound tax deferred. And then when you pull the money out, you're being taxed at ordinary income rates, but you could really parlay some wealth that way. Well, you can, because then you're just taking out a little bit each year instead of a whole bunch within say a 10 year period, which is what the law is right now. Correct. And then, so what some people did is that they established a um, IRA trust, right? Uh, because a, a beneficiary, I think the Supreme Court ruled on this a few years ago, seeing that a beneficiary IRA does not constitute as a retirement account in regards to lawsuits, liabilities, and for, you know, liability protection. So then people would create these trusts, these retirement trusts, and that would protect it because it was in the name of the trust. But the trust had to be established somewhat special, um, right? It had to be a look-through, see-through trust. It had to all beneficiaries had to be identifiable like humans. Um, so you couldn't have any other, like a charity or something like that in regards, or it would fail. Um, you know, they had to be legal written. There was a delivery requirement of the trust. So there's some rules and regulations to name the trust as the beneficiary. Uh, but now with the secure act, because there's no more stretch IRA, you know, then you gotta be careful what type of trust that you establish. Is it discretionary? Um, so there's a lot of nuances now with IRA trust, just because the stretch IRA is no longer, and then that the distribution is forced out over 10 years. I believe it's going to be a force out earlier, because before it was five years. Then the stretch came to stretch it out over their lifetime. Now it's 10 years. I mean, with the stimulus and everything else that's going on, this is an easy money grab for the IRS. Yeah, yeah you're right. Because no one really knows, right? You're dead, Al. And then, you know, Robbie and Ryan, do they really know what a stretch IRA is? Right? Well, they listen to your money or wealth, they would. <laughs> right. Um, but it's like, okay, well, dad died, oh, mom and dad died, and now I get the retirement accounts. I got to pay a little bit of tax and so on. And because most kids didn't stretch the IRA out. Regardless, they, 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 they spent it. Well, and most IRAs inherited are pretty small anyway. So True. Yeah, it's no big deal. So Chris is saying, hey, um, what, what happens here? All right. Well, if they're under 59 and a half, no, it's a distribution. They can't put that money back into a retirement account. So if it's a Roth IRA, yes, I agree with you. They can continue to let the money grow tax-free over that 10-year time period. Um, and then it would be fully distributed out in year 10 or they could take a 10th out over the 10 years. So whatever they, they decide to do, or they could blow it all. That's another reason why you would name a trust as the beneficiary to say, you know what? No, I don't want you to blow this thing up. And if it's a Roth IRA, you're not going to have nearly the problems that you would have if it was a standard 
ordinary income pre-taxed IRA because the income that comes out of a Roth over a 10-year time period is tax-free. So you could put all the stimul the, the rules and regulations within these trusts as you want because it's going to be tax-free coming out. The problem with the standard IRA is that it's ordinary income in tax rates go to 39.6 or 37% after about $10,000 of income. And so if you're trying to distribute the money out of the IRA over a 10-year time period, and if you have sizable amounts and you keep it in trust, the, the trust will blow it up because you're going to be taxed at trust rates. So then it's like, well, I don't want to get a tax at trust rates. So there's no sense of me keeping it in the trust because, right, I'm trying to save my kids from blowing it or, or you know, you know, being uh, what spent, you know, he wants to protect the assets and not have the kids blow it. Yeah. And then that really is why you'd use a trust. And, and so now with the stretch rule being gone, so the money has to come out within 10 years, it could come out into the trust. Yeah. But then it's tax at trust rates. That's right. That's, that's Or if that's you distribute problem. it out of the trust, so yeah. it doesn't get blown up in taxes. So either way you're. Yeah. You're, but, but I think, but I think that's, if you're concerned about your kids, I think that's what you do. You just distribute that whatever the income is and keep it in trust so they can't really get at it. But the Roth is different. You could keep it in trust because even when it's distributed in 10 years, it's still going to be tax-free. And then That's you true. just invest it how you You don't fit. have to distribute it at that point because there's no tax. Yeah, right. There's no yeah. taxation because yeah, everything right. comes out of the Roth. And then right. now it's out of the Roth. Now it's going to be in, it's just in what a brokerage it's, account. It's just what it's invested in at that point, creating income from, from that point on. Um, also, why is it not recommended to put a Roth IRA into a trust? Well, I think we... Just answer that. Yeah, okay. I think so. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's just be careful, Chris, in regards to just making sure that you set up the, the appropriate trust in with retirement accounts. The, the rule change with the SECURE Act um, and work with a qualified estate planning attorney that really understands. I mean, we work with several and sometimes we were like, well, maybe you don't. We'll, we'll find someone else to do the IRA trust <laughs> because they might right. just be pretty good at, you know, just the standard, you know, living, um, right. uh, revocable living trusts. So uh, we got Dan Diego from Facebook. He replied to a post that we had about uh, the benefits of waiting to claim Social Security on the YMYW TV show. So he so asked, what, t- t- yeah, tell me more. When, he I, says, I so there's an alternative train of thought that says, take what you can get now because it might not be there later. And there may be some truth to that. Would be curious to know the average break even age for those who take their social security benefits immediately and those who wait for maximum benefits. I'd heard that it was about 87 or 88. Is that true? No, it's not true. It's no. um, so what's he saying with the break even is that, let's say you get a thousand bucks a month. Um, at 62, right? And so that's $12,000 a year that you would receive and instead of waiting till 70 where you got hypothetically $2,000. Yeah, or more than that even. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, well, if I got $12,000 know, for six years, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. So, you know, right. when does, when does the, the Social Security Administration, right, if you add up all the dollars, the Social Security Administration is going to pay you. Um, and if they pay you at 62 versus 70, uh, what's the break even? And if it's 87, 88, well, I should take it early, right? Because I'm not going to live until 87, 88. Um, it's the, the break even is actually a lot earlier than that. Yeah, I, I would. it depends on the assumptions that you make, right? But I've seen 79 to 82 is right. what I've seen. Yep. Yeah. 
So it's not, it's, it's, it's so, so it depends on how you look at it, right? Because you and I look at it as longevity insurance versus exactly. investment. Exactly. I don't really think of it that in a break-even sense, but that's what a lot of people talk about it that way. So, so the way we think about it is you may live a long life and this is insurance, you know, of, of you living a long life, social security backed by the government. And by the way, the government, I mean, you can say what you want about the government, but they control the money supply. So they're going to, they're going to pay this, this money. But um, so, so, you know, now, of course, if you're single and you've got health issues, take it early. I mean, or, or if you need the cash, you don't have any other resources, take it early. But otherwise, we think in general, it makes sense to, to wait. But there is a train of thought that says, well, you know what, they may change Social Security, so why not take it now? Maybe they'll make it means tested at some point to where if I got a lot of money, I won't get all the benefits that I was promised. And yeah, there is a possibility of that. And if that's your kind of thinking, then, then maybe you do want to consider it. I don't happen to think they're going to do that, but, but I, I, can't, uh, I can't say that for sure. Yeah. Um, but he's already talked himself into taking it early. So just take it early, Dan. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's why are you wrong with who it. gives it? Yeah. Well, the break even's 88. It's not going to be there. So take it at 62. That's my advice to you, Dan Diego from Facebook. He's being sarcastic. Like Joe said earlier, these are just conversations. They're not recommendations or actual advice. We don't know anything about Dan's situation. Speaking of which, what's your situation? Have you done the math to figure out when it makes sense for you to take Social Security? Do you know whether you should do a Roth conversion or harvest your gains? With the SECURE Act, is your estate plan all buttoned up to make sure that as many of your assets as possible go where you want them to go? Here on YMYW, Joe and Big Al can hash out strategies and give you all sorts of ideas but what's right for you is very specific to your situation. What are your goals for retirement? What's the best way to get there from here with what you have? Sign up for a financial assessment with Joe and Big Al's team here at Pure Financial Advisors and find out. It's way more comprehensive than Joe mangling your question on the podcast and the fellas spitballing ideas for you in a few minutes and then derailing the conversation with storytelling. Like the podcast, the financial assessment is free, but I'm pretty sure you're going to get a whole lot more value from it. Click the big green Get an Assessment button at YourMoneyYourWealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment. Uh, Judy, good afternoon. Avid listener on Sunday mornings. Thank you for a great show. Any suggestions on doing a refi? Maybe top three companies to shop rates. Got anything there, Big Al? Yeah, so so refinance your, your home. So you've got a loan on your home and, and you want to get a better interest rate or maybe you want to take cash out. So you would look to refinance the, the loan, pay off the existing one. And like I say, either get a lower rate or take some cash out. I've had best luck, Joe, working with a mortgage broker. Not I, I don't I, I don't just go to a specific bank. You go to a mortgage broker because they might have access to 50 different banks or 75 different banks or whatever it may be. And uh, you don't really pay any more than you would otherwise. So the, the fee that is paid is sort of built into whatever bank that you get placed at. So that's what I would do. Get a, get a good mortgage broker that has many choices. And, and instead of you trying to call bank one, bank two, bank three, what's your rate? I wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, and rates are pretty low right now. Very low, yeah. So it might make sense. Okay, um, we got Brent. Minneapolis, a lot of people from Minnesota. Today. I'll tell you, right? They're, They're gravitating towards you. Ah, I love my peeps. 
Uh, enjoy the show. It's getting to the point, though. You got to probably call it the Roth conversion show. Okay, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about refinancing, yeah. RMDs, Social Security, Social Security CARES Act, CARES Act, trusts and IRAs. Yeah, trust. Come on. But you're right. It's we do talk a lot. About we do that. talk too much about Roths. Yeah, it's kind of sickening. Actually. It is. Anyway, I'm 35. Not trying to brag as it's all relative. Oh, anytime anyone starts an email out with that. <laughs> There's going to be some big numbers Not trying coming. to brag, but have a net worth of about $4 million bucks. Look at the big wow. wallet on Brent. <laughs> Two-thirds in stocks, one-third in direct real estate I own. Never received any inheritance, nor have I ever grossed over $400,000 in a year. Wow. I've been very scrappy. And now I live in very prudent and aggressive with investments. I have a few questions I'm hoping you can shine a light on. All right. Well, maybe you should shine a light on us. (laughs) You got like big Al money. (laughs) (laughs) Big Al money. So uh, number one, why would I ever invest in bonds at my age? Uh, Their long-term growth are basically zero when you factor in inflation. Seems to me like you're only useful so people don't panic when the market goes down. That hasn't been a concern for me, though, as I know, in the long run, stocks will achieve a far higher rate of return. I've read basically every personal finance book, and few people outside of Charles Ellis make the argument of foregoing bonds altogether, so it's possible I'm missing something. So is it, well, I don't know. He's 35 years old. Um, I don't think he needs any money from the overall accounts. He's got a net worth of $4 million. He's got some real estate, right? Yeah, he's probably making, has the income from that. He's never grossed over $400,000 a year. Got it. Um, why would he own bonds at his age? I, I agree. I wouldn't own bonds at your age either. Am yeah, I pretty I, close to his age? Yeah, I think that if you don't need any cash flow from the, your investments and you're young, why? I agree. Why have any bonds? The, the, part of the reason why people have bonds is because they just can't, they can't stay in their seat. In other words, they, they get too freaked out when, when things go down. So they put bonds in their portfolio. So it's less volatile so they can sleep at night. And it sounds like Brent is not that kind of person. He can, he can handle it. Because we look at bonds as a way to damper the volatility in the entire portfolio. Yeah. And and typically uh, a lot of our clients are closer to retirement age and they need their assets for cash flow. Yeah. They're 30 years older. So if you're hundred percent stocks and another great recession happens and the market goes down 50% and you're taking money from it at the same time to cover your bills, it doesn't work out very well. Right. So let's say that Brent's retired. He's taking a hundred thousand dollars from his 4 million bucks. No big deal. But then all of a sudden the market drops and he's 100% equities. That $4 million goes to $2 million and you're still pulling out that $100,000. Uh, then you can kind of find yourself a little bit freaked out yeah, because so, now your distribution rate just doubled. Yeah, exactly. So, so I guess the way I would say it is if you don't need any money from your liquid investments to live off of, number one. Number two is if you're on the younger side. Number three is you're okay with the market fluctuations, then yeah, skip bonds. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I'm with you 100%. You, yeah. I got a question. What do you want now? <laughs> For somebody in Brent's situation, what, yeah. at, at what point would you say, okay, now it's time for you to start owning bonds? Well, it depends on what his cash flow needs are. Well, let's say and he's- what's the demand and the need for the portfolio? Let's say, let's say he's 60 and he needs to pull out whatever, 
$100,000 from his investments, then you, you definitely want some bonds because the stocks are just too volatile. Mm-hmm. You want to pull from bonds when stocks are down and vice versa. When, when, when stocks are up, you pull from them. Uh, active versus passive. The second question Brent okay. has here from Minneapolis. Um, I'm in Vanguard. I only invest in index funds. In my retirement account, though, it seems like it's a perfect place for active funds. Vanguard has some amazing funds like Prime Cap, which consistently outperforms the S&P. No, not every year, but I think 15 out of 20 years it has and by a considerable amount. Yes, I know past performance doesn't predict future performance, but for that particular fund and a few others, it sure seems like they're amazing bets on a taxable account. Maybe the push against active has gone too far, especially if a household. If it's housed in a retirement account. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just rubbed my eye and it was blurry. (laughs) so here's the argument with active and passive when it comes to a retirement account versus non-retirement account. If you put an active mutual fund in a non-retirement account, it's not nearly as tax efficient as a, an ETF or an index fund is. I agree because there's more trades inside the account. So you have more taxation. So you're going to have more turnover in an active account. So you would want to put an active account housed in a retirement account. Yeah, if you like active, that's where you would put it. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I know the prime cap fund. Uh, you look at Vanguard and they're fairly low cost. If you believe that a portfolio manager can outsmart the overall market um, and potentially has more information than the market itself, then by all means. I mean, I, I don't think putting a couple of bucks in an active fund that's fairly low in cost, I mean, go for it. I mean, who cares? It's not going to make or break with most of your assets. I mean, he, he, he knows what he's doing. He, he's an astute investor. He makes decent money, and he's saved a bunch. Right. So, I mean, if he was going to say, hey, I'm thinking about buying, you know, a BDC and a, a, a non-traded REIT and, you know, some other commissionable products that were dog, um, you know, then we would say no. But He'd be emailing so, another show in San Diego. Yeah. So I would just add one other point maybe when i was 35 yeah the hot fund which always beat the market was the magellan right it? peter lynch yeah yeah i did buy it yeah. and it did not perform ever after ever again and part of the reason was it was just too big too big yeah. and when a fund gets too big then the, the fund manager it, it's too hard to buy enough of whatever is the right stock or what they think is the right stock. It's, it's like, it's like having a cruise ship and trying to turn it like a turning radius. It's just not going to turn quickly. Titanic. Yeah. That too. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I would, um, I, I'm not necessarily against the strategy either. I would just caution that sometimes prior active funds that have done well, have a hard time maintaining that in the going forward. But it's, they're not amazing bets in a taxable account. They're an amazing bet in a tax-deferred account. Yeah, I agree with that. He's saying taxable, so he's got it backwards. Yeah. Uh, just you want very little transactions in a taxable account just because it, you're, you're going to have short-term capital gains. You're going to have ordinary income. You're going to have a bunch of stuff sitting on your tax return. Yeah, so just to reiterate, so like an index fund, for example, tends to just have a certain amount of stocks, and they keep them. They don't buy and sell them. And then, so then you're not, the, the fund manager is not buying and selling the stocks inside the portfolio, which generally causes a lot of gains. But let me, do me a favor, Andy, pull up prime cap. 
I think that's actually a um, like Russell two thousand type fun, and so. But Brent's also got to be careful that he's comparing apples and oranges. Well, that's a good point. You know, so you look at um, I think it's on, yeah Vanguard because he's like, okay, well, yeah, it's it's beaten the S and P five hundred over the last twenty five years because it's got small companies. And, yeah, yeah, let's just. Give me the asset. So we're in domestic, more aggressive category, large growth. Okay, so they're tilted a little bit more aggressive, probably more value um, within that. I see it. You just gotta give me a little bit more room there. That's all. I'm trying. Expense ratio thirty eight bips. Yeah, right? that's good. minimum investment. It's closed. Well, the, or we're looking at investor shares, so he's probably gonna have to go to somewhere else. But just be careful. That you can't look at. All right. Well, here's. This fund versus that fund, and it's beaten the S&P 500. Well, it should have if it has more risk. So you have to look at the risk-adjusted return. Good plan. In regards to if you're comparing apples to apples. So especially when you're looking at actively managed funds, you just want to understand what are they buying. And if they're taking on more risk, it should outperform the S&P 500. Um, because, well, you take out the FANG stocks and everything that out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks a lot for your question, Brent. And we'll, we'll try not to talk too much, Rob, um, in future shows. Get your derails here right after these words from our sponsor. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Get that detailed, personalized analysis of your financial situation by clicking the Get an Assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or calling 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. I think our website is blown up by a bunch of robots. Yeah, isn't that the weirdest thing? So, they, robots are, so what do they do, Andy, now? They just have to, they have to send us an email. Now they just got to email us, at least temporarily, until we can get that squared away because we had to take the form down because people were just spamming the heck out of it. Because Actually, or like you said, not people. It was robots. They love Ask Joe now. <laughs> they the seem robots. to. Yeah, We've been getting yeah. a lot of Russian messages. <laughs> got about a thousand. Of them. You know, if we if we counted robots as our fans, we would, would be, be in the millions. It, it would. Yeah. It would. According to the uh, past couple of weeks, appreciate you writing in, and we'll definitely get Andy on the TV show. Oh, will we? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. We can do anything you want, Andy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right. Maybe I'm happy being on the podcast. <laughs> got it. Anything else on that, Andy? Any nope. other? That's chats? it. Any likes or dislikes? <laughs> or? That's 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 all the social media uh, activity for you, Joe. So that you don't have to go and look at Facebook or Twitter. Got it. I don't I don't have a Facebook account, and I've never been on Twitter. And but all you, you do at, on you Instagram look, is play golf. I, I do have an Instagram account, and if you want to see a beautiful golf swing, you can go to my Instagram account. <laughs> I had to cancel my subscription. I saw too many of your golf swings. It's a beautiful swing. That's, that's all I got to say about that. Um, yeah, you get a little quote from me playing in the beach, hitting sand shots. Got so, it. Yeah. You're Dr. Rock, right? I, I am. When I go to church, they call me Dr. Rock. Yeah. Or at least one guy. Yeah. I still like the Roth Brothers. I think that should be the name of the show. 
The Roth brothers. Yep. That is the. That is. I was. That is not. <laughs> oh come on. No, not even close. Um, it would be like Roth father and son. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I, I don't think I could have been your father. I'm not Would that you disown him, Al? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh.